Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 306. We're reading second book of the Maccabees, chapter 9, as well as Wisdom, chapters 7 and 8, Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 1 through 3. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, the second Catholic edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a Year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe and receiving daily episodes and daily updates because today is day 306. You have 59 days. <laughs> Gosh, math. Why is it so hard? It's not that hard. It's day 306. We're reading 2 Maccabees chapter 9, Wisdom 7 and 8, Proverbs chapter 25, verses 1 through 3. The second book of the Maccabees, chapter 9. The Last Campaign of Antiochus Epiphanes About that time, as it happened, Antiochus had retreated in disorder from the region of Persia, for he had entered the city called Persepolis, and attempted to rob the temples and control the city. Therefore the people rushed to the rescue with arms, and Antiochus and his men were defeated, with the result that Antiochus was put to flight by the inhabitants and beat a shameful retreat. While he was in Ecbatana, news came to him of what happened to Nicanor and the forces of Timothy. Transported with rage, he conceived the idea of turning upon the Jews the injury done by those who had put him to flight. So he ordered his charioteer to drive without stopping until he completed the journey. But the judgment of heaven rode with him. For in his arrogance he said, When I get there, I will make Jerusalem a cemetery of Jews. But the all-seeing Lord, the God of Israel, struck him an incurable and unseen blow. As soon as he ceased speaking, he was seized with a pain in his bowels for which there was no relief and with sharp internal tortures, and that very justly, for he had tortured the bowels of others with many and strange inflictions. Yet he did not in any way stop his insolence, but was even more filled with arrogance, breathing fire in his rage against the Jews and giving orders to hasten the journey. And so it came about that he fell out of his chariot as it was rushing along, and the fall was so hard as to torture every limb of his body. Thus, he who had just been thinking that he could command the waves of the sea in his superhuman arrogance and imagining that he could weigh the high mountains in a balance was brought down to earth and carried in a litter, making the power of God manifest to all. And so the ungodly man's body swarmed with worms, and while he was still living in anguish and pain, his flesh rotted away, and because of his stench, the whole army felt revulsion at his decay. Because of his intolerable stench, no one was able to carry the man who a little while before had thought that he could touch the stars of heaven. Then it was that, broken in spirit, he began to lose much of his arrogance and to come to his senses under the scourge of God, for he was tortured with pain every moment. And when he could not endure his own stench, he uttered these words, It is right to be subject to God, and no mortal should think that he is equal to God. Antiochus makes a promise to God. Then the abominable fellow made a vow to the Lord who would no longer have mercy on him, stating that the whole city which he was hastening to level to the ground and to make a cemetery, he was now declaring to be free. And the Jews, whom he had not considered worth burying, but had planned to throw out with their children to the beasts for the birds to pick, he would make all of them equal to citizens of Athens. And the holy sanctuary, which he had formerly plundered, he would adorn with the finest offerings, and the holy vessels he would give back, all of them, many times over, and the expenses incurred for the sacrifices he would provide from his own revenues. And in addition to all this, he also would become a Jew and would visit every inhabited place to proclaim the power of God. 
But when his sufferings did not in any way abate, for the judgment of God had justly come upon him, he gave up all hope for himself and wrote to the Jews the following letter in the form of a supplication. This was its content. Antiochus's Letter and Death To his worthy Jewish citizens, Antiochus, their king and general, sends hearty greetings and good wishes for their health and prosperity. If you and your children are well and your affairs are as you wish, I am glad, as my hope is in heaven. I remember with affection your esteem and goodwill. On my way back from the region of Persia, I suffered an annoying illness, and I have deemed it necessary to take thought for the general security of all. I do not despair of my condition, for I have good hope of recovering from my illness. But I observed that my father, on the occasions when he made expeditions into the upper country, appointed his successor, so that if anything unexpected happened or any unwelcome news came, the people throughout the realm would not be troubled, for they would know to whom the government was left. Moreover, I understand how the princes along the borders and the neighbors to my kingdom keep watching for opportunities and waiting to see what will happen. So, I have appointed my son Antiochus to be king, whom I have often entrusted and commended to most of you when I hastened off to the upper provinces, and I have written to him what is written here. I therefore urge and beg you to remember the public and private services rendered to you and to maintain your present goodwill, each of you, toward me and my son." for I am sure that he will follow my policy and will treat you with moderation and kindness. So, the murderer and blasphemer, having endured the more intense suffering such as he had inflicted on others, came to the end of his life by a most pitiable fate among the mountains in a strange land. And Philip, one of his courtiers, took his body home. Then, fearing the son of Antiochus, he betook himself to Ptolemy Philometor in Egypt. The Book of Wisdom, Chapter 7 Solomon's Prayer for and Love of Wisdom I also am mortal, like all men, a descendant of the first-formed child of earth, and in the womb of a mother I was molded into flesh within the period of ten months compacted with blood from the seed of a man and the pleasure of marriage. And when I was born, I began to breathe the common air and fell upon the kindred earth, and my first sound was a cry like that of all. I was nursed with care in swaddling cloths, for no king has had a different beginning of existence. There is for all mankind one entrance into life and a common departure. Therefore I prayed, and understanding was given me. I called upon God, and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepters and thrones, and I accounted wealth as nothing in comparison with her. Neither did I liken to her any priceless gem, because all gold is but a little sand in her sight and silver will be accounted as clay before her. I loved her more than health and beauty, and I chose to have her rather than light, because her radiance never ceases. All good things came to me along with her, and in her hands uncounted wealth. I rejoiced in them all, because wisdom leads them. But I did not know that she was their mother. I learned without guile, and I impart without grudging. I do not hide her wealth, for it is an unfailing treasure for men. Those who get it obtain friendship with God, commended for the gifts that come from instruction. May God grant that I speak with judgment and have thoughts worthy of what I have received, for he is the guide even of wisdom and the corrector of the wise. For both we and our words are in his hand, as are all understanding and skill in crafts. For it is he who gave me unerring knowledge of what exists, to know the structure of the world and the activity of the elements, the beginning and end and middle of times, the alterations of the solstices and the changes of the seasons, the cycles of the year and the constellations of the stars, the natures of animals and the tempers of wild beasts, 
the powers of spirits and the reasonings of men, the varieties of plants and the virtues of roots. I learned both what is secret and what is manifest, for wisdom, the fashioner of all things, taught me. For in her there is a spirit that is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, clear, unpolluted, distinct, invulnerable, loving the good, keen, irresistible, beneficent, humane, steadfast, sure, free from anxiety, all-powerful, overseeing all, and penetrating through all spirits that are intelligent and pure and most subtle. For wisdom is more mobile than any motion. Because of her pureness, she pervades and penetrates all things. For she is a breath of the power of God and a pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty. Therefore, nothing defiled gains entrance into her, for she is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God and an image of His goodness. Though she is but one, she can do all things, and while remaining in herself, she renews all things. In every generation, she passes into holy souls and makes them friends of God and prophets. For God loves nothing so much as the man who lives with wisdom. For she is more beautiful than the sun and excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with the light, she is found to be superior, for it is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom, evil does not prevail. Chapter 8. She reaches mightily from one end of the earth to the other, and she orders all things well. I loved her, and sought her from my youth, and I desired to take her for my bride, and I became enamored of her beauty. She glorifies her noble birth by living with God, and the Lord of all loves her. For she is an initiate in the knowledge of God, and an associate in His works. If riches are a desirable possession in life, what is richer than wisdom who effects all things? And if understanding is effective, who more than she is fashioner of what exists? And if anyone loves righteousness, her labors are virtues, for she teaches self-control and prudence, justice and courage. Nothing in life is more profitable for men than these. And if anyone longs for wide experience, she knows the things of old and infers the things to come. She understands turns of speech and the solutions of riddles. She has foreknowledge of signs and wonders and of the outcome of seasons and times. Therefore, I determined to take her to live with me, knowing that she would give me good counsel and encouragement in cares and grief. Because of her, I shall have glory among the multitudes and honor in the presence of the elders, though I am young. I shall be found keen in judgment, and in the sight of rulers I shall be admired. When I am silent, they will wait for me, and when I speak, they will give heed. And when I speak at greater length, they will put their hands on their mouths. Because of her, I shall have immortality and leave an everlasting remembrance to those who come after me. I shall govern peoples and nations will be subject to me. Dread monarchs will be afraid of me when they hear of me. Among the people, I shall show myself capable and courageous in war. When I enter my house, I shall find rest with her. For companionship with her has no bitterness and life with her has no pain, but gladness and joy. When I considered these things inwardly and thought upon them in my mind, that in kinship with wisdom there is immortality and in friendship with her pure delight and in the labors of her hands unfailing wealth and in the experience of her company understanding and renown in sharing her words, I went about seeking how to get her for myself. As a child, I was by nature well endowed and a good soul fell to my lot, or rather, being good, I entered an undefiled body. 
but I perceived that I would not possess wisdom unless God gave her to me, and it was a mark of insight to know whose gift she was. So I appealed to the Lord and implored him, and with my whole heart I said, The Book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 1 through 3. Further Wise Sayings of Solomon. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the mind of kings is unsearchable. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you for your word and thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for giving us the gift of wisdom. Thank you for sharing who you are with us, your character with us. Thank you for the ways in which you are unseen and yet still present. Thank you for the ways in which you act in silence and speak to us in silence, the way you love us in silence. Lord God, we also thank you for the times when you make yourself known. We thank you for the times when it's unavoidable for us to realize that you not only are present, but you are active. Not only that you um, are good, but that you love us. Help us to receive your love and help us to love you back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs> okay, so a cliffhanger at the end of the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter eight, you know, basically here's Solomon. That's the, ostensibly the author of Wisdom of Solomon would be Solomon, right? So the idea is behind this is that here, uh, in the end of chapter eight, he says, yeah, so I, I was given a body and as a mark of insight to know whose gift she was, meaning the gift of wisdom. Um, lady wisdom is marked throughout scripture. We, we, we heard about wisdom's always feminine in the Hebrew scriptures and in the Christian scriptures. And it's just what a gift that is. But here he is saying, I longed for her, but I also know whose gift she is, meaning I don't get wisdom for myself. I, we only get wisdom from the Lord God himself. So at the very end of chapter eight, he says, but I perceived I would not possess wisdom unless God gave her to me. It was a mark of insight to know whose gift she was, right? So it comes from God. So I appealed to the Lord and implored him. And with my whole heart, I said, colon, and then that's chapter nine, which is for tomorrow. <laughs> so tomorrow we get to hear the prayer of Solomon in chapter nine, and then chapter 10, also the deeds of wisdom. But it, <laughs> I just think that's really funny that we just kind of dun, 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 cliffhanger. Here we are. But there's an element here where we get to hear so much about wisdom, especially in chapter seven, there is this list of words that Every single one of them is worth investigating. Every single one of them is worth meditating on in our prayer. So it's Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, and beginning around verse 22, it says, For wisdom, the fashioner of all things, taught me. For in her there is a spirit that is, and then he goes on to list a number of these key words that highlight an aspect of wisdom. So for in her there is a spirit that is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, or mobile, clear, unpolluted, distinct, invulnerable, loving the good, keen, irresistible, beneficent, humane, steadfast, sure, free from anxiety, all-powerful, overseeing all, and penetrating through all spirits that are intelligent and pure and most subtle. And it goes on, for wisdom is more mobile than motion. Because of her pureness, she pervades and penetrates all things. She is a breath of the power of God, a pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty. And so all of these words, I, I would say, gosh, you know, if you have the ability to also be reading as you're listening, this is 
where we just kind of mark these words, or even if you if you can't right now, but to be able to highlight some of those words and be able to talk with God about them, like that sense of being able to say, okay, Lord, these are characteristics, these are elements of your wisdom. Elements of your wisdom is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, clear, unpolluted. All of those words, again, as I said before, they can be meditated on for a very long time. And um, there's aspects of, I don't want to say God's character, but kind of, I mean, in so many ways, the Holy Spirit is associated with God's wisdom. And so in that in that sense, we kind of can make a lot of really significant connections. Speaking of connections, the author of 2 Maccabees, he makes so many more connections than the author of 1 Maccabees. We've talked about this already, but I just want to highlight this because it continues to come back up that in 1 Maccabees, we experience, we got to hear about at least the death of Antiochus or the fact that Antiochus was at some point defeated. But here in chapter 9 of 2 Maccabees, we not only hear of the death of Antiochus, that he was defeated, we also hear who defeated him. And who defeated him was the Lord God himself. And it was because Antiochus, his his evil had gotten to a point where there was no coming back, basically. Here is what the, the author to the Maccabees is saying. And so even though Antiochus made a promise to God, uh, he still died outside of covenant. He still died afar from God because his heart was hardened to the Lord. He simply was kind of using God as a as a fire escape kind of a situation. And it didn't help him, didn't get him any better. But we also recognize in 2 Maccabees, one of the things that we noted from the first Maccabees, which is in the midst of all this fighting, in the midst of all these political machinations and manipulations and all these kinds of this fight for power, God is involved. And again, I might be beating this drum too much and I apologize for that, but it is so important for all of us to understand that in every one of our lives, we can take one of two perspectives. The first perspective is first Maccabees, where God is kind of sort of there but you got to just really fight for yourself. Or 2 Maccabees, where God is not just kind of sort of there. He is definitely there. And he is active in your life. And he's active in my life. And it seems to me, again, it's not really opposed to each other. It wasn't the goal of 1 Maccabees to show how God was involved. The goal of 2 Maccabees is definitely to show how God was involved. So it's not like they're contradictory. They're not, they're complementary. But they reveal kind of like how Ecclesiastes reveals this is what life can be like without God. <laughs> but 2 Maccabees reveals this is how life is with God. It's not uh, predictable. <laughs> it is not a guarantee that you win every single thing. It's not a guarantee that you won't be suffering. I mean, we just remember chapter 6 of Eleazar, the age in chapter 7, just the other couple days ago, of the seven uh, sons and their mom. It's not a guarantee that we'd be spared of pain or that we'd be spared suffering or that we get everything we want. But what is guaranteed is that God is with us. And today, I just want to let you know, this community is large. This community of people walking through the Bible is large. And as we've noted before, but today, this day, there are some people in our community here that this is the worst day of their life, or they just had the worst day of their life. And we need them to know. We need them to know that God is with them. Even if I can't see him working, if I can't feel him working, God is with them. And if this is the worst day of your life, or this the worst day of your life just happened, we as a community, we need you to know that God is with you, that he loves you, he's active, he's present, he's trying to speak to you and just remind you that yes, even in this dark time, you are not alone. You're not alone because he's there and you're not alone because we're there, we're here. We're praying for each other. 
I am praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you.